movement telling us it is not a terror attack. It is most likely an action. Ladies and gentlemen, place your bets. We have a bloodbath about to take place. Each assassin is implanted with a tracking device so we can find them, they can find each other. Enjoy the cooking. What's your reason? Was it you, Miles? Did you come after me? Did you murder my wife? I can't contact you anymore. Now, I suggest you listen to me very carefully. You need to start killing if you want to stay alive. Why did you come after me? The tournament has begun. Welcome to Small Screeners, where we look at direct video and made-for-TV movies. I'm Chris. I've got AJ here, as usual. Say hello, AJ. What's up, y'all? And today, we are here to discuss the tournament. Uh, the tournament uh-huh. is no, it's a 2009 action thriller directed by Scott Mann, written by Gary Young, Glenn Stewart, and Gina Fagan. It stars Robert Carlyle, Kelly Hu, Ving Rhames, and Scott Adkins, among others so i had never heard of this before you suggested this one i did proudly and, and it, it was, you you've got a copy of it it's, it was on tubi so i was able to to check it out and i have the, owned it on both dvd and now blu-ray yes <laughs> and the, the cover art is one of those like kind of generic mid 2000 to mid 2010s uh direct-to-video movies where it's like they've got the actors up at the top and it's like people you've kind of heard of. I guess Ving Rhames is a fairly big name. <clears throat> uh, yeah. But other than that, uh, you know Kelly, who you, you kind of you're going to be familiar with a little bit if you're into movies. Same with Robert Carlyle. But I didn't know what to really expect from it. It's got a pretty simple plot, a lot of uh, big time action. I'm going to let you kind of describe what is going on with this movie. Okay. Well, the idea is that every seven years in some random ass town. The world's top assassins gather, and they have a tournament. Winner takes all. Fight to the death. They're all implanted with trackers, so the rich people betting on it, because you bet your ass that the richest of the rich across the world and cultures and whatever will gather to bet on the game and tournament, as it were, in real time. I'm not sure how appropriate the term tournament is, but that's okay. Yeah, well, I mean, it's because... They have it listed on the the board, and it just goes down to one. But yeah, like Battle Royale. They They all have trackers implanted in them that they can be watched by the gamblers and players, and the actual participants can see each other. All the better to track each other down and suddenly get into some mayhem. And yeah, that's that's it. That's the setup. We it starts the movie starts with the very end of the last tournament 
And uh, it's no spoiler to say that Bing Rames is the victor of that because he goes into this one, the one we're watching, as the returning champion. He's got some shit on his mind, it's safe to say. He's the man with a mission. And then the rest of it is meeting other assassins, uh, the top assassins in the world who are all there to kill each other. And we get to meet a couple of them, and uh, some of them are there longer than others. But yeah, uh, so you can take it from there. I mean, like, you had well, never well, heard of it. You had never seen it. Right. It, it, it did have that kind of generic feel to it. I, I can, I'll tell you, I came across it because... I used to write for a website called horrorview.com is no longer with us, but I used to write movie reviews there and my editor had written one for this movie and he reached out and said, you, you will want to check this out. It's right up your alley. It's a, it's an action movie, which you dig, but it's bloody like a horror movie. It's really right. horror. And I was like, cool. And I read his review and I was like, okay. I'm ready for it. And I'd never heard anything about it. And I have no idea what my reaction would have been to it had I seen it much like you and apparently most people did when they saw the thumbnail or the video anywhere and were like, ah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I had someone who I trusted tell me this is why you want to check it out. And it was exactly what he said. And I fucking loved it. And, you know, it, it had popped into mind very early on when you and I were even talking about this. I was like, oh, like the tournament, you know, a movie that rocks <laughs> absolutely rocks but is a direct-to-video movie and is probably not one a lot of people know about drive is like that too drive actually i think has way more of a little culty following uh, especially among action heads than uh, the tournament has overall although the hardcore action heads have found it right i see people talking about it on twitter here and there well drive has martin akaskis so that's something especially in the 90s when he was kind of starting to take off i guess was some the action fans of that era were going to seek out. This has Atkins in a pretty small role, but yeah, I mean, he gets a, a nice little featured fight and everything. Yeah. Like the rest of the movie, when the movie's like, Hey, here's some action. It's not bullshit. Right. <laughs> and there's a lot of it. It's barely over 90 minutes long. It's like an hour and 36 minutes and it never feels boring really for a second because yeah, there's not we'll much to up. it. It's kind of video gamey with like actual cutscenes that are backstory and shit for, you know, filling in character development, you know, what there is. Although everyone has a little bit of it, you know, it's not completely mindless. There's everyone's allowed to do a little something. Bing Rames cries on screen, which is not <laughs> something Bing Rames does in a lot of his movies, yeah. but he does. Kelly Who, who you said was like, you know, some people might know her. And yeah, it's unfortunate. I I wonder why she never broke out because she she can well, she's do been around since the eighties because she was in Jason Takes Manhattan. Yeah, yeah. And then the only, I mean, honestly, the only things I know her from are that, the Scorpion King, which is where she kind of became, I could probably her, her height of her fame. <laughs> and then um, she was in X2, although she didn't have any lines, I don't think. No. But she was the, the villain that Wolverine faced off with in that one. She was certainly a presence. Yeah. Uh, Lady Deathstrike? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think she's cool, and I wonder why she never broke out, because it's not yeah. like she can't act. She can't. Yeah. She's obviously and she's very attractive, some... and she can kick ass. Well, I mean, what the fuck else? <laughs> I don't understand. But yeah, I think she's really good in this. She's basically the lead. Yeah, exactly. To me. Um, uh, you could maybe, I mean, some people may think Robert Carlyle, but I, I mean, they're kind of co-leads. They are definitely co-leads, but I think he's second to her. I would agree. Like, if you're doing it, I would, if you're really only mentioning a couple of people, I would, I would be like, God, how would the credits go? I would go, Kelly who? Robert Carlyle. Liam Cunningham as the guy, as the host. 
Yeah. And then I'd be like, featuring Scott Adkins. <laughs> and then like, or with Scott Adkins. But I would probably say featuring Scott Adkins because he really is just has a featured scene. Mm-hmm. And then it would be the, the and credit for Ving Rhames. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? The, the very last one. Because I know that's a special one. Right. Uh, and I would definitely give that to Ving Rhames. Because he's, he's definitely one of the main characters, but it's almost like he's like the most kick-ass supporting character that mm-hmm. the plot revolves around still. <laughs> yeah. And he's kind of missing for a, the bulk of the second act. Though. Yeah, the the characters we really follow are Kelly Who and Robert Carlock, because they're together most of the time. You know, one thing before we get too deep into it, I want to mention the, the kind of generic action straight-to-video poster. On Wikipedia, there's a, a much better poster. It's a lot. It's very simple. Uh, oh, the one with the bullet? Yeah, it's just a, yeah, a it's white, cool. like a white background with some blood splatter at the bottom and a large bullet with the tournament on it. And there's some text as well, but more evocative anyway than you know what they had to do to to market it to on a on a video shelf where they have to throw the actors on there. And someone who recognizes Bing Rames is maybe someone who really liked Undisputed when they rented it is like, oh, okay. <laughs> someone who saw Kelly Who on some TV show was like, oh, I like her. <laughs> or they're big Lost fans there. Yeah, yeah. Or, like you know, they're Summer Holder. Fucking, I don't know, whatever, Robert Carlyle, the full Monty. I don't know. Yeah, Carlyle, he, he's... um. He's a really good actor, and he gives a great performance in it. Yeah. He's uh, it's it's interesting that he's in it to me because he does feel kind of I'm out actually, of place. <laughs> the only thing I've actually seen him in, I think, is Twenty Eight Weeks Later. I've never seen the Full Monty <clears throat> or the um, Train Spotting oh, movies. You have never seen Train Spotting? Okay, no, never saw uh, Formula Fifty One or the Fifty First State, whatever you call it, the one with Samuel Jackson, directed by Ronnie Yu. No, never saw that one. It's kind of bullshit, but it's enjoyable while you're watching it. Yeah. I don't know that I would wholeheartedly recommend it to anyone, (laughs) (laughs) which I know is rare for me. And I know you're like, ooh, but um, I definitely, I mean, yeah, I guess it's worth watching once. I think you'd be, you get to watch Sam Jackson in a kill. There you go. Which is a thing. And (laughs) it's got British gangsters in it, which was definitely a thing in the mid nineties. Yeah. It's, yeah. But yeah, I, I like Robert Carlyle a lot. What about Ravenous? Okay, I have That's, seen Ravenous, yeah. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> we can still be friends. Good, good. At least podcast co-hosts. <laughs> uh, so, I, I love Carlisle, but I, I just think he's he's really a lot better than this kind of thing in a general sense. It, it's weird that he's in it to me. Yeah, like I is. think Ravenous is a is a genre movie. The Fifty First State, which I was just talking about, is a genre movie. But this is a different kind of thing. <laughs> he still doesn't feel like this kind of actor, and and he's in it and he's acting his ass off, like because that's what he does. He's like, oh, I'm here to play a part. I'm going to play the part to the best of my abilities, and he's a good actor. So he's in there crying, talking to Jesus, like, please, merciful mm-hmm. God, you know. It's like, wow, bro, okay, you didn't need to go that hard. I love that he's in it. I love that he's in it. It blows me away. I'm not now. I'm not sure. Maybe I missed it. So are all of the participants in the tournament willing participants? Because it seems like Kelly Who maybe was there against her will. No, no, she definitely was. I mean, she knew she was supposed to drink that shit. It, I just think how they got the tracker in her mind okay. a little okay. bit. Oh, yeah, they're all 100% down to be there. And that's kind of the – and the movie is all bullshit. Anyway, <laughs> in the way that I generally call movies bullshit. Um, yeah, you just got to kind of buy into you it. You got to go with it because if you think about it for even a second, it's like, so wait, every seven years we got to start over with like medium yeah, to like amateur hitmen because, yeah, they, like all the best ones go to this place. So even if there's like, what, 30 to 50, like the 30 to 50 best in the world, that's awesome. And it makes for a great movie because, I mean, none of them are 
half-assing, and this is like all the best of the best. But that means every seven years we lose literally the best in the world, like all, like all of them, except for one. And then we just have to make do and let these next fuckers like build their way up for the next seven years. And like assassins kind of start out really shitty. And then they get better. <laughs> like, I'm also yeah. curious. What did I, I don't know? I just missed it. What did they get if they win? Do they get a cash prize? She said, or yeah, she said something known? like, "There's like a lot of cash. There's a lot of uh, prestige. It's you know, dick swinging rights. I'm the, I'm the <laughs> best fucker here. Sure, you know. But yeah, she did mention money and and you know, renown, respect, and all that shit. It's basically just an excuse to have a strung together series of action scenes and little yeah. beats where people just fuck each other up. And it generally ends in, in a really violent fashion. It's really bloody. Yeah, it really sets the stage with, you know, we see the end of the previous tournament with Ving Rhames wins at the beginning in the kind of the cold open, I guess. And he blows that guy's head off. <laughs> and it's it really splits great. like a melon. Yeah. And, and it's in the, a slaughterhouse. He kills yeah. him with like some like the 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 rod throwing thing for like cattle, uh, and that's how it splits his head open uh, and leaves it a bloody pulp. But he, it's in a slaughterhouse. There, we, dudes are sliding through pools of blood on the floor mm-hmm. in like glorious slow moment shit. One thing I want to note about the director Scott Mann, and we'll get back to him. I think when we talk about him. Something I love that he he knows how to do that not a lot of director video directors do. He knows how to deploy the slow mo. I like his use of slow motion. He uses it right. As a as a longtime devotee of John Woo, that kind of shit matters to me. And he gets the AJ stamp of approval. I just wanted to say that. So, yes, that's what happened with the slaughterhouse. You were talking about how bloody it was. Did it surprise you, the level of gore? I have to imagine it did. Uh, yeah, it did. That, you mentioned earlier when your, your editor talked about how it's got basically horror movie level you know, kills as far as like the brutality and the gore and the closest analog I can make nowadays. And I I just wanted to say this in case I forgot it is the night comes for us on Netflix. Have you seen that yet? I haven't watched that one yet. No, it's on our, you're going, yeah, that is an act. That's a full on 100% action movie, martial arts oriented much more than this one is, even though this one has plenty of fight scenes that I'm just saying this one has more vehicular shit, parkour, all that extra stuff. But that one has, absolutely insane levels of gore 100% slasher movie levels of horror movie violence in that one and that's the closest action movie to this that i would say is doing even remotely kind of the same thing i mean can you think of another action movie that that goes about it quite like this i mean there's plenty of really violent action movies out there yeah but this one really i mean (laughs) this one amps it up like purposely like limbs getting blown off heads exploding you know it's and that's really what elevates this. The reason I enjoyed this so much was the over-the-top uh, gore more than anything. Obviously, there's cool martial arts stuff. There's cool chases and cool action in general. But like, the what really work is really good. Yeah, but what really elevated it to me was they really go hard with the <laughs> gore, and I, and that that's probably partially at least of the time because this is a very of the mid two thousand style action movie it didn't come out in 2009 but i think it was delayed a few years if i'm not mistaken oh yeah it was delayed the budget ran out twice apparently while they were making it and it was not released until two years after filming so it was made in 07 okay but yeah it's got like you know it's got the slow-mo it's got the frenetic camera work and stuff in some of the scenes with the the fight scene and stuff and uh, but i think the action is is overall really easy to follow there is 
It's not like there is a lot of crazy camera work and there's quite a few edits. I, I can't deny that, but it feels very precisely done. It's, it's not, not like more supremacy or anything like that. It's <laughs> <laughs> and I like that. I think that's an example of what I'm talking about where they do it right. <laughs> I feel like the director is using it, is deploying it in a way where he's like, it's it's very precise. He knows exactly how he's intending to use it. I really like the action a lot. And there is some of that bullshit in there, to be fair. I, I cannot deny it's there. It is a bit frenetic and the camera work can get close and stuff. But I think he knows exactly when to pull it back out so you can see a kick and see that it's coming from down there to a head. The geography gets established. He'll jump back in for more of a close-up. I don't mean to get quite so granular about it. But I mean, I give a shit about how this kind of action is presented as a, you know, Michael Bay as opposed to like Walter Hill, you know. Do I know where things are in relation to each other? Do I feel the impact of it in the cut? Or is that cut there because they're trying to impart some sort of energy that they don't know how to how to really like present to us in a way where we feel it? So they're yeah. trying to fake their way through it? It's just a bunch of bullshit. What the outlaw Vern would call avid farts and, you know, all that kind of no- noise. I don't think this is. There's a lot of really cool practical stunt work, too, which apparently like one of the assistant directors got like almost crippled for life. Yeah, like this where they flipped a car over the bus or whatever. Some of it went wrong and a large metal piece of debris took him out under the knees. And yeah, it was bad. I mean, apparently he has recovered, but yeah, it was fucked up. But I think the budget was between eight and nine million. Some of that might have been due to the delays and it running out and whatnot. But I mean, it does seem to have. Yeah, it does seem to have more resources than your average DTV movie. I have a, a feeling it was probably intended as a theatrical release. I, I I really do believe it was. Yeah, there there is a box office take listed, so I'm assuming it got like a. It's less than five hundred thousand, so I'm assuming it got a few shows maybe in the UK, which is. Uh, yeah, it is. A, it is a British movie. But um, I don't. It didn't get any kind of wide release apparently. But it it looks good. It looks like a. I mean it. There are. You could probably tell maybe that it's a lower budget for like a big action movie but it's well made enough that it looks like a theatrical movie yeah i think it i think it looks great and and the the gore that we're yeah. talking about is not i don't think any of it is cg oh yeah all. i was gonna say i'm pretty sure it's almost all practical uh, stuff squibs and fake heads exploding and fake, fake bodies, bodies exploding, exploding. <laughs> Like, there are at least three exploding bodies in this movie, at least. And it's not like one big boom. Like, they go in pieces. Yeah, it's it's a remarkably gnarly movie. I And then I, and I know we're, we're harping on that, but we're hammering it home, guys, because really, it sounds, it almost sounds like a, a negative thing, right? Like, if that's all the movie has going for it. No, it really doesn't. Like, <laughs> Kelly Poo's great in it, and Robert Carlyle, I'm telling you, he gives a real performance. So does Bing Rames, and Bing Rames is still a real formidable you know, presence and it's a lot of fun and it moves like a shot. It uh, It's not boring at all. I, I will say that again. It's like basically 90 minutes of almost nonstop action of one type or another. It's really cool. But yeah, the selling point of all of that is really <laughs> that if you're a fucking horror movie fan or like hardcore action, this thing gets down. It does not give a fuck. It's so cool and gnarly about it. It's just, you know, it's the kind of thing you'd like when you're a fucking teenage dirtbag. You know what I mean? Like, remember, like, the, the kind of stuff that thrilled us when we watched Full Eclipse? Yeah. 
You know what I'm talking about? It's not the, it's not the same thing, but it's the same kind of thing. The 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 teenage gorehound and you will get off on this flick. It's killer. And that's pretty much all I have to say about that. The the few plot elements that actually matter in this uh Robert Carlyle is actually not part of the tournament, or at least not intentionally so. He's a a local in this town they've taken over to, to host the tournament unbeknownst to the citizens. Carlisle is a, a priest who's kind of lost his faith. He's an alcoholic. And one of the participants uh, tricks him into ingesting the tracker that he's supposed to have. So he uh-huh. cuts it out of himself. Carlisle ends up with it. So now all the assassins are after him. And Kelly, who figures this out and is the one assassin who doesn't care about, doesn't want to kill an innocent person. So she's kind of trying to protect him while winning the tournament at the same time. Which is how they end up together. Right, and they're pretty much stuck attached to the hip the rest of the movie. They point. may as well be chained together, and they're, but they're not. You know, it's just she's more than happy to stick chain together. Uh, uh, example in our drive, uh, indeed, indeed. But they're not. But I mean, they basically are. It's just by choice. Yeah. He's more than happy to stay with her, you know, so he doesn't fucking die. And she feels an obligation to protect him because he's an innocent and all this. Whereas the people who are running it, Liam Cunningham's dirtbag character. I think he has a name Powers or something, but uh, I think he's just called the host in the credits. He's so rad. I want to shout out Liam Cunningham, one of the best voices in the biz. And just, he's one of those guys for me. Like we were talking about in our last episode, El Diablo, they show up and you smile and you know that you're going to be cool when they're there. That's Liam Cunningham. He's been in Dog Soldiers. He was on the last few seasons of Game of Thrones or like the last half or whatever. He shows up like a few seasons in and then is there till the end. God, what's the name of it? Let us pray. It's some British or Irish horror movie where he shows up at a small precinct uh, headquarters yeah, in the middle of town and asks them to lock him up. Or they lock him up and he's the devil or some shit. It's cool. And he's really cool in it. He's in The Guard. and he's and Anyway, I love that fucking guy. I wanted to shout him out. He's just a really good bad guy in this. And mostly it's just kind of glowering and, and talking in his killer voice. you know. But it's awesome. I love that kind of shit, and he's he knows the assignment, as they say. He understands the assignment. Probably filmed all his stuff in two days. Oh, almost certainly. But yeah, I mean, Kelly Who and Carlisle are just together trying to get through it, and that's they just kind of stumble upon one thing or another, or we jump to watch other assassins kill each other, including Ian Somerhalder. What do you want to say about Ian Somerhalder, Chris? Do you have anything? Um, you know, he, he does a pretty good job as, I mean, he's supposed to be this outright maniac. The redneck psycho. Uh, yeah, he he um, certainly doesn't mind killing innocent people. You know, he he makes sure and dogs. Yeah, he makes sure that you want him to die immediately because as soon as he shows up, he kills a dog for no reason. And um, yeah, that's a big no no. Uh, well, yeah, and I always the, felt like that was the movie really winking at us. Yeah, like, well, you really want the, this fucker to die now, don't you? Yeah, it doesn't pass the does the dog die test. It does not. And, you know, he, he's also, later, he just kills a stripper for no reason. He kills multiple strippers well, for no reason. Multiple that, yeah, that's true. He just uh, starts killing everybody. That, he turns into Jason. If he sees you, he kills you. Yeah. <laughs> he just starts firing off with his pump shotgun. And it's like nuts because you, you're like, okay, so they're going to start a shootout. And they might probably kill some innocent bystanders. <laughs> but then he just starts actively killing everybody. It's, it's wild. And they're flying through the, the air with like some really, you know, exuberant stunts and shit. You know, they're putting people on the catapults like, okay, we're going to fire yeah. you through that glass. Are you ready? <laughs> you know, or hey, stripper lady, I know you just got naked, but now you're going over that fucking table. Are you prepared? <laughs> the movie went, dude. The movie goes. I love it. I fucking love that movie, Chris. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, so, Solar Holder, it, it, he definitely he knew what he was doing, and he he said does a pretty good job. I'm not sure I buy him as a redneck. I don't. I mean, he, he kind of has a redneck accent at some point. So. You know, it's funny. I looked it up, and he's from Louisiana. Well, there you go. Yeah, I would have guessed like he's probably from Connecticut, playing in the hillbilly. You know? <laughs> no, no, he's from Louisiana. I guess maybe we just don't want to like him. He that seems like that guy that we wouldn't have liked in high school. You all know <laughs> what we're talking about. You all know. You were that guy. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Fuck you, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I, I did need a little more Atkins. He only shows up really for one big action sequence. He has a big fight with Kelly Who, which is really cool. Don't really see him much after that. No, uh, it's safe. To, well, I mean, how would you? He's kind of all over the place. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it would be great to have him do more. But it's also great that it's like you didn't need any Scott Atkins. Other than that scene, what do you get? You get absolutely zero Scott Atkins, right? <laughs> with that scene... Even if it's only for that scene, you've got 100% Scott Adkins, Chris. Because he really does get you. He's doing fucking whirling kicks and shit. He's, it's a rad couple of minutes. It's not very long, unfortunately. And yeah, it would have been cooler of like the way he showed up in Day Ship. Yeah. You know, and they got like almost a 10 minute little mini movie and it was probably closer to like six or seven minutes, but it felt like a nice chunk, like a satisfying meal, you know, or at least just a good burger of Scott Adkins. Here, you know, it's like one of those little mini tacos. You know what I'm talking about? That's like the size of like an orange slice. It's like a delicious little mini taco of Scott Adkins. Mm. Not entirely. It, it's delicious. It's delicious. But I can, I can see how it would leave you wanting more, Chris. Another one of the the only other really assassin that I took note of was uh, let me Sebastian it's the parkour guy yeah Sebastian Foucault uh-huh. or Falcon uh, yeah parkour Foucault. guy and I, I checked because I was assuming it was it's the same parkour guy from Casino Royale it's one of and, the two guys that actually fucking invented parkour the other guy is the one from District B thirteen the French movie that Luc Besson produced uh, David Bell oh you mean the other guy in Casino Royale no oh, the other guy who invented parkour, parkour. Yeah, he and Sebastian are credited as being the inventors of parkour. As far as I know, unless they yeah. change that, can be, can, uh, you know, considered he and uh, David Bell. I mean, not together. I don't think they were a team or anything. But, like, those are the two dudes that are like, you know, you fucking created parkour. <laughs> and they would probably be like free running or whatever, but I don't know. Um, what the fuck is that? But yeah, he. Um, well, no. What is that? I insist on you telling oh, me what that is. It's, from, it's, it's the office. Oh, okay. Shortly after Casino Royale came out, there was a bit like a cold open where yes, and he was rolling around. Andy are doing parkour all over the office That's right. <laughs> and screaming out parkour. Chris, <laughs> I love you, man. That's awesome. And he, yeah, the parkour guy. He is one of the ones that you know we see all the way towards the end. He's. He probably has the most kills of any of the, except for maybe Summerholder, but he kills a lot of innocent people as well. So maybe not fair. True. True. Um, the only uh, other real like big plot thing that matters is Ving Graham's character. You know, he's back in the tournament after winning it last solely because his wife has been murdered by one of these assassins. And yeah, like apparently right before the tournament, like a few months before. Yeah. And like so years have gone by. <laughs> and right before the tournament, boom, dead wife. It's fucked up. Yeah. And so he's he's basically just there for revenge. Did you have uh, like a theory on who the assassin was going to be? Because they don't reveal it until later in the movie. Did you have like a theory of who it was going to be? Somewhere early on, 
because she has some weird flashback and I was like, oh, I bet it's her. And then the next time you see it, like, I think you see his wife. Mm, okay. you, might Maybe, not, yeah. you might not understand the context, but I'm pretty sure that's that's how it's presented. I just assumed it would be her because she was like the main character, sort of. So I was like, well, that's how that's going to come together. And she me. seems regretful and remorseful of some shit. You know, speaking of the strip club uh, massacre that happened, which was... The biggest shootout probably in the movie. Uh, it was oh easily and one of props to the perfectly framed shotgun between the tatas of uh, oh. <laughs> giving him a lap dance. She kind of leans back on, while she's sitting on Summer Holder's lap, and he brings the shotgun up right in between. Perfectly yeah. framed. Well done. And that's kind of what kicks off the the, the shootout. I got a I kind of got a kick out of that. I, I laughed pretty hard when that happened. It is uh, pretty. I hope you wrote it down. I hope you took notes on that specific moment. I did. <laughs> My man. I wanted to make sure I got that. Uh, <laughs> I love it, dude. I'm not even, I know I'm a sarcastic asshole a lot of the time, but I'm, I'm 100% genuine. I love it. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, the movie, I think, has a lot of cool little moments like that. The whole stuff at the convenience store where we lose Summer Holder. I love the little clerk. Yeah, that was that was a really, that was the, probably the other funniest moment is just, his nonplussed reaction to the exploding hitman. Yeah. I mean, he has no idea that like all manner of nonsense is going on behind him. And then like right after he turns around and is able to kind of understand what's going on that, or that anything has been going on, this dude starts screaming and then explodes and his, he just kind of stands there in shock and just kind of goes about his shit, answers the phone. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's really cool. So since we did mention the massacre scene in the, uh, the titty bar, as they mentioned it in the movie. Is that your favorite action scene? Like, do you have a favorite action scene? Or a favorite action moment? A favorite action... I don't know. Some people might be like, I love all the parkour shit. Because he does get yeah, a chance to I parkour think, the fuck out a little bit. I think my favorite might have been the bus. Uh, the big finale with the bus chase. Uh, being grand, just, and like a big semi. and uh, Kind of Terminator-like. Yeah. And, you know, especially the, they're in a double-decker bus. There's the moment where Kelly who is below and the parkour guys above him and they're shooting at each other through the floor. <laughs> yeah. That's a really cool uh, moment. And then the way the parkour guy that uh, where he, his finale is pretty sweet. Indeed. She yeah. ends up outside the bus at a certain inopportune moment. And that's pretty cool. Anytime you, I mean, this move, look, aside from the, all the blood and gore that we keep harping on because it's so much fun and we're sick. You have Kelly Hu hanging outside of a bus, speeding wildly out of control as a semi is trying to take her down. And she's firing off at it with a fucking nine millimeter while hanging outside of the bus. What What more? I mean, do you need a sign inviting you in a written invitation? This is so cool. And it's what you want to see in a movie. It's cinema. It is the Al Pacino picture that you have seen the meme. Oh, what a picture. You know what I'm saying? Killer. And I love that there's so much practical stunt work going on. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying Bing Rames and Robert Carlyle were out there driving those buses and trucks, <laughs> but somebody was for a lot of those shots. And there's cars mm-hmm. flying over the motherfucker and flipping behind them and slamming into each other. And they bounce off each other for like what seems like at least as long as the runway at the end of Fast and Furious 6. It's a good long freeway scene. Very Terminator-esque. I definitely noticed the, the practical, you know, stunts or whatever you want to call it with with the big uh, chase and stuff like you would the, the explosions and the big crashes and stuff. Now that would all be done 
you know, CGI or whatever, which, you know, we, I think enough's been said about us lamenting practical effects and the emerged CGI or whatever. But yeah, it it was a nice to see that as a throwback to that kind of uh, action sequence. It's, it's really cool to see, especially Mm -hmm. that, you know, that it's more recent. And like you said that it, and I say more recent, it's like what, almost 15 years old now, (laughs) but a lot of stuff does do it with CGI. And it's not Road Warrior or anything like that. But shit, it's definitely cool. It's so much fun to see. And like I said, she's hanging on the side of the fucking bus firing off a 9mm at the fucking, you know, at Bing Rames in a semi. What the <laughs> fuck else do you want? Yeah, it's killer. So yeah, that one and and the, uh, the strip club shootout were probably my two favorites that I can think of offhand anyway. One other cast member I wanted to mention was, you know, there were the two tech bro guys like uh <laughs> at, at the computers yeah. one that i was not familiar with at all and then the main guy with the glasses was that the kid from uh, critters no no that's okay. a british actor uh andy nyman i think okay he's been in like severance not the tv show recently but the uh it was actually somewhere around this time the horror movie with the uh the business like the people from work who go to a retreat in a retreat? cabin in the yeah, woods yeah yeah he's yeah. one of them Gotcha. A British comedian and character actor. He's did a pre- did a pretty good American accent. The yeah, annoying twirling no of his hair as a as a character trait. He was good. Um, what did you think about saying? I don't know if you recognized him. The guy from Doomsday, Craig Conway, the first hitman to die in the movie in the new tournament. No, the one that Kelly who had the fight yeah, with that yeah. Lai Zen kills. No, I, I did not recognize him. So yeah, he he. That's I liked the him. bad guy from Doomsday. Okay. Yeah, I liked the the especially the moment where um you know he threw the punch with the fist <laughs> only had two <laughs> fingers left and uh, smashed those stubs right into the into the uh, wall. Yeah, that shit was painful. And you know what? This movie, uh, watching it today again uh, for the umpteenth time, I'm still reacting to it the way I reacted to it, and it made me think this is one of those movies where you can you can rate it according to how many times it makes you go oh <laughs> for various reasons sometimes it's like pain like someone gets folded in half or something uh sometimes it's a crazy ass stunt you know or you just whatever you know what i'm talking about the, the yeah. action movie reaction where you just can't help it and you just say oh and that's not so much an oh as it is an ooh. <laughs> that that's so painful but in a really enjoyable kind of way. You're like, yeah, fucker, because he's been so vile. You know, it's not quite the the same thing as I used to fuck guys like you in prison. <laughs> but the I'm going to kill you and then I'm going to fuck you is. Right, right. Yeah. That, it, again, they, they make the villains pretty hissable. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you want to see the bad things coming to him. And the movie's like, oh, do you? Because we're going <laughs> to do it. We're going to give it to you. It, it, it definitely, it, it pays off what you want it to it provides the action movie fan payoff it does not leave you wanting more it, or you know to be more vulgar about it no one has blue balls at any <laughs> point in this movie it you know you just you, you get to fucking go all the way with fucking heads exploding on multiple occasions chris yeah i was excited to see you know, Summerholder's character, from the point he killed the dog, you know, I was just waiting for him to, to die horribly. And he, he gets it pretty bad. I thought he was going to get it, you know, pretty bad from, from Ving Rhames when they had their standoff. And that was a really cool moment where he used the uh, the liquor and the flame 
you think he's going to burn alive, but you know, some more stuff happens after that, but that was a cool moment. And I guess he gets it worse in the end, but the fact that he gets crispy crittered even a little bit yeah. is not that you just know that he suffers a little bit more as he should. Mm-hmm. That would have been too good for him to die there. He gets <laughs> to get burned a little bit and then die horribly a little bit later. I, yeah. I, I, like I said, the first time I saw it, I was like, I had the reaction that you're supposed to have, which is kill this motherfucker <laughs> in the worst way. I'm ready. I am down. And then I realized, oh shit, how well manipulated that was. <laughs> because you know, it's like the filmmakers know that we know, and we're almost just going to be like, well, yeah, of course now I want him to die horribly. Well played. Because now I'm in the headspace you wanted me to be at. Because now I'm prepped to watch you just absolutely annihilate this dude. And you want the filmmakers to have fun doing that. And, oh, they have fun doing that. Because he gets to squeal and scream a little bit, too, before he goes. <laughs> yeah, he almost pulls a little bit of a stuntman mic, but not quite as to that level. It's, it's yeah, but it's still, it's satisfying. It's mm. satisfying. But again, I guess that's what I'm saying about the movie. It's It's short. It's sweet. It's basically nothing but set up and pay off for 90 minutes. And it's very satisfying. It knows, it's almost nothing but the good stuff. Like for action movie heads, it's like, yeah. you want this? This is what you like? Well, then we're just going to give you a movie that's... And that sounds numbing or like, you know, oh, that that could be hardcore Henry or, you know. <laughs> but it just works. It just does. It's not repetitive. It's not boring in any stifling kind of way where you feel like this is almost overwhelming like it's almost too much it it's just right it's a goldilocks movie where it's too much and just right at the same time (laughs) that's a rarity well that's pretty much all i've got really you know it's short and sweet it's uh 93 minutes of almost nonstop (laughs) bloodletting uh and it it delivers what what action heads are looking for i think exactly yeah you got anything else before we roll to uh top three shit no, let's do some top three shit. Right. Other than uh, just uh, watch the tournament if you haven't, y'all. Right now it's on Tubi. Chris already yeah. said that, but I'm telling you again, it's on Tubi. Yeah. I miss Kelly Who, so if you, if you need your fix like I did, that's where it's at. But uh, did not do top three Kelly Who uh, for this one. Went with uh, top three Ving Rames. And I looked through his filmography. He's got a pretty... There's a lot of stuff he was in that I'd kind of forgotten about, but um, that one was kind of the uh, the old faithful, the, uh, the the standards, I think, on my list. I think but, I did, too. I think yeah. I did, too. You went first on our last episode. Do you mind if I go first? Yeah, this go time? for it. On our last episode, we talked about movies of 1998, and your number one is my number three. There you go. On this list, I could have a whole bunch of honorable mentions, by the way, Mm -hmm. and it's stuff where it may not necessarily be what I think are the best movies that Bing Rames is in, except for like Undisputed, which I think is a legitimate great uh, B movie and Mm -hmm. underrated. But stuff like People on the Stairs, where he's got a a pretty small supporting part, but he's really cool when he shows you're like, oh, young Bing Rames, he's cool. Or something like that. The first He's time I watched beginning. it was maybe five or six years ago, and I was like, oh, Bing Rames. Yeah, uh, or something like Striptease, where not everyone appreciates Striptease. <laughs> but he's fucking rad in Striptease. I think even people who don't like Striptease would be like, but Bing Rames, yeah, he was pretty Yeah, he was pretty good. He was pretty good. <laughs> you know, lots of all that stuff. But my three are from the Bing Rames heyday of the 1990s, American-made films of the 1990s. Uh, and my third is Out of Sight, because... I think it's one of the best movies that Ving Rams has been in. And it's not his biggest part or biggest showcase, but he's effortlessly great in it in the way that you 
we expect Bing Rames to be, or like that he is. The reason why we love Bing Rames, he shows up in parts like that and just murders it. And you love him when he's on screen. And he's part of an absolutely perfect ensemble, which we did talk about in our prior episode. Um, you're number one of mm-hmm. 90. So that's my number three. My number two is one of my favorite Bing Rames performances. It's not one of his biggest parts, but it's one of my favorite performances by him because it's so different than what he normally plays is the Secret Service agent in Dave in 1993 or 1994. I don't Mm -hmm. remember. Three or four. Uh, The Ivan Reitman flick where Kevin Klein is the guy who on on the side impersonates the president for like random car dealership openings or something. He's an insurance salesman or a social worker or some shit. (laughs) Works as a campaign. Like he does something. He's like some... Not a politician. No, but he ends up having to impersonate the president for real. And I love Dave so much, (laughs) dude. It is one of my favorite movies of the 90s. And I just think it's just a, a great movie. It's one of those. It's got a great script by Gary Ross. Ivan Reitman, really at the top of his game. Kevin Klein doing Kevin Klein things. Scorny Weaver, fuck, bro. That's a and Charles Grodin showing up in like two scenes and doing that comedy assassin thing. Dave is great, and Bing Rames plays this like tough, silent, stoic Secret Service agent, but he's actually kind of like sensitive and like sweet and not like that sounds lame. <laughs> But it's just there's he's like this there's like this warm depth to him and it's like really surprising and it's just this really sweet side of him you don't really get to see and it's it's played that way in the movie too it's like a surprise to everybody that like oh he's it's like bull in Night Court you know what I mean mm-hmm. that kind of thing I liked Dave a lot I haven't watched it in over twenty years I'm sure but I liked it you know it was an HBO staple kind of for me you know in the mid nineties. That movie's the shit. I mostly, I don't remember Bing Rames even being in it, honestly. I just remember mostly. Yeah. Well, he has hair, too. Oh, okay. He has hair, which throws anybody because <laughs> Bing Rames, because he don't have hair. Yeah. Who was the, uh, oh, was it uh, Frank Legalia that was the? Frank Langella. Langella? Yeah. I'm good with pronunciations. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he he's, uh, he's like the villain sort of in that one, yeah. You know what? I'm going to say this to you right now because, you know, it's the truth, and I'm sure you've heard it before. I'm not going to give you shit. I might give you shit, but I'm not going <laughs> to seriously give you shit about any mispronunciations you ever have because it's like people mispronouncing a word in a general sense. <laughs> it's like you have to say that person learned that word by reading. How is reading ever bad? You know what I'm saying? That's how I say it. You're reading about this awesome actor, Franklin Jella. You know, and I might be saying it wrong because I'm only reading it or, or going off of what I heard. I think I heard it. Maybe it's Frank Langella. I don't fucking know, but I think it's Langella. Anyway, he's the the evil bad guy, the chief of staff, Bob, who's an evil fucker. And Kevin Dunn is the sidekick mm. black guy, but not evil in that way. Love Dave. Number two, Bing Rames, kicking ass. And of course, number one is Pulp Fiction. How can it be anything but it's the best <laughs> movie he's been in. Some people might, might, you know, disagree a little bit. They might be like, hey, AJ, I think you're forgetting about a little movie called Con Air. <laughs> and to those people, hey, you know, you be you. I love Con Air, but it ain't Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction is fucking Pulp Fiction. What can be said that hasn't been said about Pulp Fiction other than AJ loves Pulp Fiction? I don't know. I think that's been said. It, Yeah. That's <laughs> too. And I'm sure it's on your list, right? We'll get to my list. <laughs> oh, fuck. It's not on your list. Holy shit. But it's is, is it really not on your list? <laughs> My list is different than yours. Wow. This is awesome and exciting. Wow. I love it. Yeah. Bing Rames has been in some good shit. Okay. So my top three Bing Rames. Three, obviously, the Arby's commercials. Uh, He's got the meats. 
Not really. But I do love those commercials. They are great, dude. I hope he gets paid a lot of money. I was going to say all these are 90s, but they're actually not. So uh, number three, I went with Mission Impossible. Uh, oh. We talked about that a little bit last time. It's my favorite of the Mission Impossible flicks. I like that Ving's character. His, the character Luther. Luther. Uh, you know, big ball black guy looks very intimidating, but in Mission Impossible, he's just the the tech guy. He's the computer dude. Like him in that quite a bit. Number two, Dawn of the Dead. He's sort of the co-lead. That's more of an ensemble movie, but I guess Sarah Polly's probably the lead. He's probably second to her. Yeah. In that one. I would agree with that assessment. And he's he's great in that he's, you know, a cop that everybody, you think he's going to be the hero. Uh, and pretty early on, he's basically like, fuck you guys. I'm going to find my <laughs> brother. Uh, he ends up sticking around for a while, but I uh, really love him in Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead's maybe my favorite zombie movie. I'm talking about the Zack Snyder 2004 version, obviously. Um, but there's a lot of good zombie movies to choose from. I don't really know if that's actually my favorite. But uh, And then number one, uh, of course, uh, one of my favorite movies, Out of Sight. I think he's great in that. It's probably his best performance to me. Uh, Pulp Fiction is definitely a worthy entrant. Uh, I didn't have it on mine because uh, I'm not as big a fan of Pulp Fiction as most people, even though I like it uh, quite a bit. Uh, I don't think Blasphemy. it's... Blasphemy. <laughs> I don't think it's... I am uh, hijacking uh, this podcast from this moment on. <laughs> your your list is done. You're done. You're done. The episode is done. We're going to go ahead and say our goodnights. Our good, I'm sorry. I took it a little... Now, Pulp um, Fiction's good. It's. I don't think it's... He's got to be there, though, for Pulp Fiction, just for saying, you hear me talking, hillbilly boy? I ain't through with you like a damn sight. I'm going to get medieval on your ass. Dude, yeah, that's I one mean, of the greatest things anybody said in any movie ever. It just is. And it's okay. It doesn't have to be on your list. I just have to, I have to say it. I have to shout it out. I probably should have done it when I was talking about it. And instead I just, you know, passed the buck and was like, oh, Pulp Fiction. It's great. What do I say? I think Pulp Fiction may be my third or fourth favorite Tarantino okay. movie. Okay. All right. Again, we'll, we'll you and I are going to have to talk some. Son. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I, I think I, I think I like Jackie Brown and Reservoir Dogs more. And I might like Inglorious Bastards more. Where is um, Upon a Time in Hollywood, you Philistine? It's it's not better than Paul. Uh, so by default, not better than the other three I mentioned. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's my, my, that's my three. Mission Impossible, Dawn of the Dead, Out of Sight. There's a lot of great Ben Graham's performances out there. He's in a lot of great movies. Yeah, Plenty of other good choices. And you did mention all great movies just now. You know, we had Out of Sight in, in common, obviously. But mm-hmm. he's just... Bing Rames has had a great career, and I don't think we, I mean, everyone, if asked, I think everyone would be like, oh, yeah, Bing Rames is great, but we don't talk about him enough, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, he's not a movie star. He's No, no. He's a a, a tier above character actor, I think, but he's not like, he's not going to lead a big movie, you know, but he's great. No, but he was in Piranha. 3D. <laughs> also, Kojak. The, the I never watched yeah. it, but he was no. in the the reboot of Kojak in I guess the aughts. Um, at some point. had to be for NBC. Yeah, I I forgot that happened until you just brought it up. One hundred percent forgot it happened. But oh my god, I want to die now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All good. Before we roll out of here, you got any other recent uh, movies you've seen that you want to shout out before we roll out? Anything cool I have seen recently? I want to shout out. Well. I can always talk about some old movies that I saw because on our last episode, I talked talked more about more recent stuff sure. uh, aside from The Arrival, which was in the 90s. But Alan Arkin passed away recently. Yeah, that sucks. And we all know and love the great Alan Arkin, who 
never gave a bad performance that I saw mm-hmm. um, and only made everything he was in better. Another guy who recently passed away is Jimmy Kahn. And mm-hmm. James Kahn and Alan Arkin made a movie in the 70s called Freebie and the Bean. Have you ever seen it? No, I've heard people talk about it. I've never seen it, though. It's kind of like the first buddy cop movie. And it's also one that definitely set the tone where the buddies hate each other in a way. <laughs> they spend the most of the movie, like, it's watched it with my wife, Tiffany, and she was laughing and saying, this is such a toxic relationship. And it really is. They're awful. And, and they're basically awful to everybody. It's, it's very 70s and lots of car bullshit, lots of crashes and vehicular mayhem and gets surprisingly violent at times yeah it's like a kind of like a a comedy cop movie that will surprise you with someone getting shot nine times out of nowhere like what (laughs) uh that was really good we rewatched burn after reading the coen brothers from the mid to late 2000s that's not exactly an old movie but that was fun i mean honestly at this point it's it's pretty old (laughs) and mad love from 1935 Mm-hmm. Uh, with Peter Laurie as Dr. Oh, shit. What's his name? Uh, Hibbert. <laughs> Hibbert. <laughs> just guessing. It's, it's based on the, the, the hands of Orlock shit where he, you know, this guy gets his hands destroyed in an accident and the mad scientist evil doctor who's in love with the guy's wife throws a murderer's hands onto him and shit and people start dying. That old chestnut. Yeah. But I think, you know, it's the first. Um, or based on the story that was, you know, recognized as the first. I think there may have even been an earlier film version of it, like a silent one or something. But Peter Laurie is the mad scientist, and he's fucking rad. And Francis Drake is the fair maiden. Colin Clive, the guy who played uh, Victor Frankenstein in the old James Whale Universal Monsters, Frankenstein is the uh, the guy with the hands. And it's it's good. You know, it's kind of a little weird and over the top. And I bet it would have been really a trip to see it in the 30s because it's just... I bet it was a lot for people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's pretty dark and it's pretty fucked up. Uh, even now, it's pretty fucked up. And it's pretty, I don't know. Yeah, it's like creepy. Like there's some weird sex stuff and it's like, yeah, don't like. <laughs> Is that pre code? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. 35. So uh, anyway, that's about it. What about you? Well, uh, I'm going to concentrate on a series of movies that um, I watch. You know, we're recording these this episode and the previous pretty close proximity. So covered most of the big theatrical releases I've seen last episode. So we did an Indiana Jones episode recently, and I, I talked about how that kind of uh, put me on a fortathon over the last couple months. And yeah, uh, I'm going to talk about some of those because I just I actually have still got three or four that I need to still watch because I, I bought a bunch of uh, his movies on on DVD or Blu-ray that I had only seen once and hadn't seen, you know, in years. But um, the bi- uh, some of the big ones, uh, Clear and Present Danger, I've seen this, you know, a bunch of times. I watched that recently. My favorite Jack Ryan movie by a wide margin, and uh, it's the, the um, it's it's great. It's got Henry Zerny uh, or Cherney. I'm not sure how it's pronounced either, but um, I love him in that and Mission Impossible. And then he kind of disappeared for a while. I'm sure he was doing TV stuff like that, but it's been nice to see him pop back up in like the new Scream, uh, the new Mission Impossible, and uh, Ready or Not a few years ago. But uh, yeah, he's he's great in Clear and Present Danger and the the um, the alleyway or the street sequence where they're they're under attack from the rooftop rocket launcher guys is just an all-timer of an action sequence air force one we talked a little bit about that too i think on on the indiana jones episode and about how wolfgang peterson is pretty much a master of action stuff that one's a lot of fun 
a, a couple that I'd only seen once. Several actually here that I've only had only seen once. Uh, Mosquito Coast. Oh, I watched yeah. that probably 20 years ago, and and I rewatched it again a few weeks back. And um, I'd kind of forgotten Helen Mirren was his wife in that. So they reteamed for 1923, obviously uh, recently, but. That's a movie. Also, River Phoenix plays his son in that pre-Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Maybe Harrison Ford's best acting performance. Um, the movie itself is pretty good. It's it's depressing and yeah, um, and it's it's not a feel good movie by any stretch. Um, but it's a pretty good movie, and he is just fucking amazing in that. Are you are you like Mosquito Coast? I think it's really good. Yeah, yeah. And Ali Fox is one of his a really impressive. Uh, performance definitely i mean if it's not his best it's it's in top two or three it's got to be i mean, yeah, I don't and know I mean it's, I... it's unlike anything else that i've seen him do so and i think i'm pretty yeah. much in all of his <laughs> at least his starring roles um yeah i, I, I really like him in that yeah, i mean i don't like really him that much but <laughs> oh no no he's asshole no it's um, a great movie yeah, another interesting performance from Ford regarding Henry, which <laughs> I saw as a kid. It's become kind of a punchline movie, it seems like, over the years. I think it was kind of one then, too. I didn't know it because I was a kid when it came out. J.J. Abrams wrote the script and has like a cameo as like a food delivery guy. Oh, I didn't remember that. I haven't seen it. I definitely haven't seen it. No, I, was, I mean, I've seen the movie. I'm saying I haven't seen it since uh, I found out J.J. Abrams wrote it when he was like fucking 25 or something. Which is nuts because it seems like more of a mature kind of movie. It's not something mm-hmm. a kid would write, you would think. Yeah, but it's sentimental and stuff. Yeah, and it's not bad. Yeah, I like the movie. I think he's, you know, good in it. And I, I'm not really out of it, you know, I don't know why people think it's bad. But, uh, it's not a great movie, but I think it's it, it works well for what it's doing. And, and I think he's good. And, you know, in the movie, he, he gets shot in the head at, as a part of an armed robbery. John Leguizamo. Uh, Baby Leguizamo. <laughs> and uh, as a result, he basically forgets how to he, he has amnesia. He forgets how to walk. He has to kind of relearn everything. Uh, good performance also as the guy who's the actor who plays Robbie Robertson in the Spider-Man movies. Big black guy. Bill Nunn. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he he's the guy doing the physical therapy with Ford's character. He's really good in it. I like that movie i hadn't seen it since i was a kid i, I bought the dvd and rewatched it again I, it's not one that i'm gonna you know watch over and over again but <laughs> I, I, it's not one that i understand really why it gets such a bad rap so harrison ford does a good job in it <laughs> yeah i haven't seen it i don't think since i you know watched it in high school i really liked it you know yeah. not enough that i you know felt compelled to watch it again over the years <laughs> mm-hmm, right but it was good and I would, if it had been on or if someone was like, hey, I want to watch Regarding Henry, I wouldn't have been like, oh, fuck you, you know. <laughs> and if I ran across it now, I would probably watch it. I remember it being good. Yeah. Yeah, he basically you, he's an asshole lawyer. And then after the accident and he starts to have to relearn things, he's really playing it kind of childlike and yeah. stuff like that. But, yeah, it's a I mean, it's, you know, sappy, but it's it's a good movie. I think not yeah. a great movie, but good. What One about Firewall? I, I saw Firewall a few years after it came out. I rented it, and it's not very good, <laughs> uh, as I remember. I don't remember much about it at all, honestly. But and then he was also in one probably six or seven years ago, another Gary Oldman and Harrison Ford movie with one of the Hemsworth brothers that looks terrible. Uh, Harrison Ford has a shaved head in it. I can't recall the name of it off the top of my head, but I have absolutely no idea what you're talking. About. Yeah, it's some kind of like business thriller or something like uh, Liam Simsworth. Is like oh, a yes. Now I know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, my God. I think it might be called Paranoia. Probably. 
but uh, it looks really bad. I'll, I will watch it eventually, but I have not seen it yet. I will not. <laughs> so I'll have to watch Age of Adeline, too. That's another of his. I know, actually like, like that. Yeah, I've heard that. I actually, I actually did. I thought that was good. You can <laughs> say never... what it is or whatever, but it, it's a good movie. He's really good in it, actually. He, it's very, it's a very, you know what? We'll talk about it. Just watch it at some point. You know, <laughs> I've got, I've got it on Blu-ray. Yeah. I just haven't, uh, I haven't watched it yet. Presumed Innocent, I'd never seen until I uh, watched it recently. What do you think? Uh, it's, it's another kind of a different turn for him. He's a lawyer in that one as well. Uh, there's a a fellow lawyer is murdered and he's uh, assigned to the case and eventually it starts to look like he probably did it. Um, I liked it a lot. The ending is a little too tidy. It's got kind of a, you know, once it's all revealed at the end, what happened to the girl who, who was murdered. Yeah. It's but a, it's a pretty of, cool fucking twist though. Yeah. It's, it's a good, it's, pretty it's, hard got a, it's got a pretty good twist ending and it's kind of a gut punch. I did just think the way that it played out in the last couple scenes was like a little too convenient, but I, I liked it overall. I liked it quite a bit. And uh, it's, it's a different type of a role for Ford that you don't normally see him. It's not, um, it's, he's not really heroic. Yeah, he's not the the good guy and the and the you know the everyman hero type. It's it's a different type of thing, and I liked it. Yeah, it's a and good one. Was, uh, the book was a big hit. Mm-hmm. One of those page turner airport bestseller kind yeah. of thing, like absolute power was. You know, <laughs> uh, and the last one was uh, the Fugitive, which is one of the best movies ever made for my money. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think a lot, and I think enough's been said about it at this point. It's great. So yeah, that's that's uh, the first part of that's Fortathon Part One, and probably wow. by the time we record again, I'll have four or five more of his uh, movies to talk about. So you better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I made it clear. I think in the in the Indiana Jones uh, episode we did, he's been my favorite actor for as long as I've had a favorite actor. So and that's probably never going to change. So same. Same. Yeah. You're doing the Lord's work with the fourth. <laughs> yeah. I, the I've still, book. I've got frantic Sabrina, what lies beneath. And, um, I think those are the only three that I haven't watched yet that I've bought recently that I, those are all movies I've seen once. I think I may have seen what lies beneath two or three times back when it came out, but it's been a long time. So yeah, that's a good one. But uh, anything else before we get out of here? No, I think that's it. Uh, awesome. just, you know, watch movies. Watch movies. Let people know where they can uh, find you and chat with you on the internet. Uh, yeah, they can find me on Twitter. AJ is the Haunted Gels of Mario Baba at Haunted Gels. And then on Blue Sky, I am AJ McCready. And that's at AJ McCready dot Blue Sky or sorry dot B Sky dot social. And as usual, come bullshit with me about movies, and music, and all the good things in life, people. Woohoo! And I'm on pretty much, let's see, Twitter, Instagram, Threads, and Blue Sky. Pretty much all those at BrodyMan34. You can find the show's Instagram and Twitter, or the app formerly known as Twitter, uh, at Small Screeners. So check us out on there, and uh, we will see you guys next time. Peace.
me. 